Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Looking at draft day, for me, it's extremely sad that this will probably be a virtual event for them. It just won't have the same feel, the same vibes as the draft pre-COVID. It's something that you will never forget. The parties, seeing the, the excitement from the fans, how they wait outside the hotels, you're signing autographs, you're going from suite to suite. It's just something that you'll, you'll never forget. The Brooklyn Nets, if they're healthy, they're as tough as an out as anyone in the NBA. And I think looking at where they're at right now with James Harden kind of battling back from a hamstring injury, KD getting back into the lineup, Kyrie's been healthy most of the season. I think that they just want to get into the postseason healthy. And there's rumors that Spencer Dinwiddie may be coming back for the playoffs, so that could add some, some depth for them. Zion is already getting the respect he deserves. He's already going to the free throw line at astronomical amounts. It just so happens that in this particular case, the refs swallowed their whistle. I do think that oftentimes younger players don't get the calls that veteran players get, and that's the way the league has kind of been. Welcome to the 111th episode of Pull Up. That's right, 111 episodes. Currently recording on Wednesday, April 29th in Memphis before we head out to Brooklyn to take on the Nets on Friday. On this date, April 29th, 1990, the Lakers beat the Rockets, giving Coach Pat Riley his 100th career playoff victory, breaking Red Auerbach's record of 99. Pat Riley now sits second all-time, only behind the great Phil Jackson, with 229 career playoff wins. I'm excited to talk to you guys this week on the Pull Up Pod. There's a lot that has gone down, not only in the world, but in the NBA world. Um, from a Portland Trailblazers standpoint, I went through a little rough patch of dropping a few close games in a row, um, starting with the Boston Celtics, uh, also with the Clippers. The list goes on and on, Memphis, and so on and so forth, to where I think at one point we had lost four straight games by a combined six points basically one point every game and then two points in one. So that was a little rough uh, for us mentally, understanding how close uh, we are to, to potentially being in the playoffs, how close we also are and potentially having to play in a playing game, which is something we definitely uh, want to avoid with 10 games left uh, in our season. Uh, it takes way too much energy to try to compete um, in those games as we've gone through uh, in previous years, having to play the Memphis Grizzlies in a playing game last year uh, after eight consecutive games in the bubble. It's a lot, and a lot of teams would rather rest um, with our last regular season game being May 16th, it would be great uh, for us to be able to rest until the 22nd. But um, we are in a position now to kind of control our own destiny. Winning as many games as possible would definitely uh, be in our <laughs> in our benefit. The Dallas Mavericks are currently 
one game up in the loss column. They're 34 and 27. We're currently 34 and 28. And if the playoffs started today, we'd be playing the Memphis Grizzlies in the playing game for the seventh seed. The Spurs and the Warriors would be playing in the playing game. The winner of nine and ten would play the loser of seven and eight, and the winner of that would get the eight seed. So we're in a really tough spot right now. There's a lot of interesting movement and developments happening across the league. The Wizards in the Eastern Conference are in a position potentially uh, to do some damage and make the playoffs, having been winners of eight out of their last nine or now nine of their last ten or eleven games. They've been playing extremely well. They're they're very very hot, but. The playoff race is heating up. There are only three or four teams who've clinched a spot in the playoffs. Actually, looking at the standings right now, the Utah Jazz have clinched a spot in the playoffs. The Brooklyn Nets have clinched a spot in the playoffs, along with the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference and the Philadelphia 76ers in the Eastern Conference. I think these teams will take the approach of making sure their players are healthy first and foremost. As they enter the playoffs, I know the Utah Jazz have been banged up. Mike Conley missed the last game. Donovan Mitchell is currently recovering from an ankle injury. And some other players in their starting lineup have been in and out of the rotation, uh, in and out of the lineup, uh, if you will, due to injuries. Looking at the other team in the Western Conference, the Phoenix Suns, they're in a position to potentially chase for the number one seed, depending on who they'd like to match up with in the first round. As it stands now, they're the second seed, and they will be taking on um, the winner of Portland Trailblazers, which is us, the Memphis Grizzlies, or the Spurs um, and or the Warriors, depending on how everything finishes up at the bottom, unless the Dallas Mavericks kind of slide. So I think they have an interesting situation because they're such a young team. They may look to rest Chris Paul a little bit. Uh, he's he's an experienced veteran who's been there before, kind of knows what his body needs and may want to take a couple of games off so that he's fresh and sharp heading into the postseason. But it'll be interesting to see if they chase the number one seed or if they kind of bow out and are happy with the two seed and, and just kind of being as healthy as possible. Looking at the Eastern Conference, I think they're in a very, very interesting situation. Uh, Philly being one game out in the lost column, uh, similar to the uh, situation between Utah and Phoenix. Um, Philly has had a lot of injuries historically, especially uh, from their best player, Joel Embiid. So I think they'll be very protective of him uh, as they've been all season, kind of sitting him on back-to-backs, making sure that he's healthy and rested. And I think they're comfortable with being the second seed. Uh, as of right now, they probably play uh, the Miami Heat, depending on who kind of gets out of that uh, playing game. And the Brooklyn Nets would take on anyway, anyone from Charlotte to Indiana to the Wizards, which is probably a tough matchup for them. But I think if they're healthy, uh, they're as tough as an out as anyone in the NBA. And I think looking at uh, where they're at right now with James Harden kind of battling back from a hamstring injury, KD getting back into the lineup, Kyrie's been healthy most of the season. I think that they just want to get into uh, the postseason healthy. And there's rumors that Spencer Dinwiddie may be coming back for the playoffs. So that could add some, some depth for them. But I'm looking forward to seeing how teams approach it. I know this has been a a tough season on the body, uh, mentally and physically. And if players can kind of sneak some rest in before uh, the playoffs start, I think they'll take full advantage of it, especially considering how condensed the schedule was. And then looking at the back end of it with the extra time uh, between the last regular season game and the playoffs, I think that also allows players to have ample time, which is one of the reasons why we want to avoid the playoff game uh, to give myself, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, Dame, Melo, um, Roko, a lot of guys that are banged up to give them some extra time to kind of recover uh, before we head into the playoffs, which is going to be extremely competitive, especially considering the fact that most arenas are uh, limited uh, from a fan capacity standpoint. 
I'm looking forward to getting into a lot of different things on this podcast, obviously talking about Anthony Simons, you know, tying the NBA record with nine consecutive threes. I think if you combine his, his last two games before that, he had hit 14 straight threes, which is extremely, extremely impressive. We have the NFL draft that'll also be starting tonight. So I'm excited to see uh, what kind of happens with our Browns team. We'll get into the Warriors uh, being the first team in the NBA to launch their own NFT, which is crazy. kind of shows you how the crypto space is continuing to evolve, as well as a pull up or dish segment, uh, which is one of my favorites. And we will finish with the got the dub, took the L. So please, please, please stay locked in. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. Hit us with a five-star review. Share, 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 share as much as possible on Instagram and Twitter at Pull Up Pod uh, for fresh content all season long. You can go check out the segment I did last week on the three most underappreciated players in the league exclusively at Pull Up Pod. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Moving on to NFTs, this is something that's kind of been sweeping um, the world as of late, uh, looking at NBA Top Shot, what that's kind of done to the game, how that's kind of evolved and transformed uh, the world from a collectible standpoint, not having to physically have trading cards, being able to digitally store them um, online, on your phones, on things of that nature has definitely shifted the game. And I'm extremely excited about what the Warriors are doing, uh, having done some research on this. Uh, the Warriors are, are becoming the first NBA team to create a team NFT. Looking at what they're actually trying to accomplish here, they're doing game stubs and commemorative rings, which is super, super dope. Um, looking at the, uh, the collection features, the Warriors' six championships rings, which are identical, identically reproduced as limited edition collectors NFTs. The top prize, which is probably going to go for an unreasonable amount of money is the one of one Golden State Warriors six-time NBA championship ring NFT, which combines all six championship rings into a single never before seen NFT. And just for those of you that may be interested in actually participating in this, there's a 1947 NBA championship ring celebrating their first ever championship ring, which which is limited to 25 editions, which I'm sure will kind of drive up the uh, the asking price for that. They also have a 1956 NBA championship ring, 75, 2015, 17, 18. And I think this is really cool that they're kind of jumping on this um this bandwagon, if you will, I think it's a way to generate a lot of money. I think it's a way to kind of keep fans involved and collectors involved to where they're taking advantage of the market and how it's shifting. So uh, once again, I'm looking forward to seeing other teams kind of take this same approach. I know Cuban's big on NFT. I know he's kind of done educational seminars and realms to kind of figure out uh, ways in which his players can become more involved in NFT, become more involved in the crypto space in general, uh, particularly uh, Bitcoin and Dogecoin. And I think this is just great for society because this allows us to kind of see um, how sustainable this realm is uh, from a cash flow standpoint. I think that it'll be uh, the trend kind of going forward. And I'm looking forward to seeing if the Blazers 
kind of follow suit and, and begin to accept cryptocurrencies and, and things of that nature, because I would love to, to take part in uh, receiving some of my income and some Bitcoin. So stay tuned uh, from that point of view and, and, and changing topics a little bit, going from basketball um, to the NFL. The NFL draft starts tonight. I am a big Cleveland Browns fan, if you didn't already know. We have a 26 pick, which is unique for us. We've never really been in a position to have late first round picks because we've always been bad, which means top five, particularly number one. <laughs> we've had a lot of number one picks in my lifetime. And that kind of shows you how our franchise is shifting, how our talent level is shifting and how we're in a position to potentially compete for a championship. Obviously, um, there's a lot of other talented teams out there. You got the Chiefs, um, you got uh, Tom Brady, the GOAT, and you got the Seahawks. You got a lot of good teams who are capable of winning a championship, but the fact that we're in that conversation means that we're doing something right. I think with our 26 pick, we should probably take defensive-minded player, whether that's a cornerback, a linebacker, or a safety. Uh, looking at some of our, our issues last season, our secondary was banged up. Our two picks uh, in the secondary were hurt and weren't able to play most of the year. And I think that was the difference in our team. Uh, obviously, you know, having some injuries on our front line, uh, adding some depth uh, to our defense, uh, Jadavion Clowney specifically, uh, a guy who can do a lot of different things, cause pressure, and he'll be alongside Miles Garrett, which is great. Uh, I, I think that the upside for our team is fantastic with Odell Beckham Jr. coming back with an older, more polished uh, Baker Mayfield, and obviously our dual threat running backs who are Probably the best one-two punch uh, in the NFL. They were both on pace to get over 1,000 yards. And Chubb ended up getting banged up. He still made over 1,000 yards. And I think Kareem Hunt was just a little short. But two great fantasy football players uh, in general, if you're interested in that type of thing. A lot of the mock drafts have us taking a rusher or a linebacker. But once again, I think we should take a cornerback. Um, growing up as a, as a kid in Canton, Ohio, draft day was our Super Bowl if I'm being honest. Um, it's the day we celebrated. It's the day we weren't worried about losing. Draft day and bye week are historically two of the best um, parts of a season as a Browns fan. And now this season, it's not quite the same. I'm not really looking forward to the draft, um, mainly because our pick is so low, but I'm looking forward to the season starting. I'm looking forward to seeing, from a preparation standpoint, how we continue to build and, and some of the acquisitions we can continue to kind of make uh, during the process of free agency. Looking at draft day for me, um, as opposed to, you know, what these players are going through now, it's, it's extremely sad that this will probably be a virtual event for them. Or if not, if it's in person, it, it just won't have the same feel, the same vibes as um, the draft uh, pre-COVID. The draft pre-COVID was sensational. It's something that you... We'll never forget the parties, uh, what goes into it, the preparation, being able to kind of go from store to store, obviously being exposed to, you know, just a, a completely different scene. Uh, for me, it was in New York City, which is, you know, the mecca of basketball and seeing the, the excitement from the fans, how they wait outside the hotels, you're signing autographs, you're going from suite to suite. It's just something that you'll, you'll never forget. And the emotions are extremely high because as a child, you look forward to the opportunity of potentially playing in the NBA uh, for these guys, potentially playing in the NFL. You dream about it. You envision, you know, walking up to the stage and 
and and shaken for them it'll be Roger Goodell's hand I I was actually one of the last um, drafts uh, with David Stern may he rest in peace before Adam Silver took over as commissioner so you kind of envision that whole process you know with the first pick in the 2000 whatever draft you know you you, you envision yourself up there and and for me, it was just really cool uh, to be able to be in the green room, to sit around your peers, uh, to see some of the players you competed against, some of the players you admire and watched from afar. You know, their nerves, their excitement, the uncertainty of literally having to, you know, up and leave whatever city you're in, whatever university you're going to, and, and go to a city that you probably never lived in before, a city that you probably never been exposed to before. For me. This is my second time ever going to Portland. Uh, I actually worked out for them. That was my first time there and getting drafted. It was my second time ever going. I had never been that far. Um, outside of LA, I don't think I had been out there, you know, maybe for some Vegas tournaments in Arkansas. But to be in the Pacific Northwest um, after growing up in the Midwest was was great for me because I liked the change of scenery. I enjoyed it. But a lot of players are going to go through a lot of different emotions. Some players will be taken probably too high. Some players will be passed up on and, and, and be low. But the, the the moral of the story is to just be thankful and grateful for the opportunity to be able to continue to uh, play a game that you've loved as a child and uh, to be able to kind of take that step forward. So once again, best of luck uh, to all the draft picks out there. Um, may the odds be, as the saying goes, forever in your favor. Transitioning to one of my favorite segments, um, the pull-upper dish. Zion Williamson faced a critical, critical no-call late in the game Wednesday night against the Denver Nuggets. It's very questionable. It looked like a foul. He had a chance to, to tie the game with two seconds left. Jokic came from behind him. The Joker came from behind him and blocked his shot. There was a bit of contact. I think he probably got the ball first, may have gotten the arm. Zion said that there's not much he can do and that he has to, quote unquote, earn his respect. He took it on the chin saying that I'm only in year two. Got to get a couple more years under my belt and hopefully things change with that. I am not pulling up on this. I'm dishing on this uh, mainly because Zion is a guy who is looked at uh, by the league as the future. He has his own signature shoe with the Jordan brand. He's very, very, very popular, not only in the NBA, but amongst fans. And I, I want to bring some statistics to those out there who say that he has to earn his respect. I think that he definitely is a young player in this league. He has a lot of room to improve his game and kind of expand. But Zion already has a higher free throw rate per synergy than Giannis and Embiid last season, which is saying a lot. He shoots free throws on 21% of his possessions according to Synergy and according to some others online. From a comparison standpoint, there are three players in the NBA that are above 20% in terms of percentages of possessions that they have. The ball, which results in free throws. Joel Embiid, perennial all-star, potential MVP candidate, is at 22.1%. Zion's at 21.2%. And Giannis, who's another perennial all-star, MVP player, all-generational type of talent, is at 21%. So, Zion is already getting the respect he deserves. He's already going to the free throw line at astronomical amounts. 
it just so happens that in this particular case, the refs swallowed their whistle, which happens a lot down the stretch of games because the refs don't like to decide the outcome of games. So I am dishing on that one. But I do think that oftentimes younger players don't get the calls that veteran players get. And that's the way the league has kind of been. When I was a rookie, uh, the refs watched me very closely, but also didn't show a lot of love. And it's a part of the game. It's a part of them kind of getting familiar with how you play. It's a part of them getting familiar with, you know, some of the moves you may be doing. And it's also a part of you having to earn your stripes. But for the most part, I think they're they're pretty fair. They're pretty accurate with, with most of the calls they make. Uh, most of the refs are in the 90 percentile, 95 percent uh, and up, especially the veteran refs. So, I think you have to establish yourself in a league, and then it's easier for you to have those conversations with the refs. It's easier for you to be able to pull the refs to the side and, and kind of tell them, like, hey, you might have missed this. And uh, most of the time, they, they know your name after a couple years in the league as well. Looking at the sixth man of the year race, Jordan Clarkson for the Utah Jazz is averaging 17.5 points per game, four rebounds per game, along with two assists. He's the second leading scorer for the Utah Jazz only behind Donovan Mitchell, Montrez Harrell, Lakers, 14 and 6, Joe Ingles also on the Jazz, 12 and 4, shooting 48% from 3, Shake Milton 12 points per game. And for the record, Doc Rivers has coached five six men of the year candidates, Jamal Crawford twice, Lou Williams twice, and Montrez Harrell last year. I think that Jordan Clarkson will win six men of the year. So I am pulling up on that. I am a fan of his game. He's been aggressive. He's been relentless with his attacks and pick and roll in ISO situations. He gives the Jazz an unconscious score who's not afraid to take big shots and make big shots. So I think that he will win six men of the year strictly based on how he's performed and how well the Jazz are doing. There are a lot of players making big, big contributions off the bench. I am a huge Joe Ingles fan as well. I think Shake Milton has continued to evolve and kind of step up his game. Um, looking at our team, I think Melo has played extremely well and kind of adjusted to that role, you know, being able to take and make big shots. It's not always about who starts the game. As you get older and more mature, you realize it's about who's finishing the games. And I think that looking at most of the NBA teams across the league, it's extremely important that you have guys coming off the bench who can produce. You look at a lot of the the top teams uh, historically throughout the NBA, they have solid role players who can defend, um, solid role players who can knock down shots, and they also have just good teammates in general. You know, you need the Jared Dudleys of the world who are great locker room guys, have a veteran presence, are always ready to play, but also always ready to continue to figure out ways to help um, impact the game from a vocal standpoint. Calling out plays, being able to talk through coverages, being able to help guys out on the floor um, verbally and kind of keeping everybody steady. I think it's extremely, extremely important um, that you have those types of players on the team. And the most successful teams are usually deep. You have to have star players, but you also need players uh, who can do a lot of different things out there on the court and in the locker room. My final segment of the day, get the dub, take the L. Drew Holiday definitely gets the dub. Uh, Drew Holiday donated his entire bubble salary to a social justice fund um, that ended up being $5 million. Drew and his wife used the money to launch their own social justice fund targeting primarily Black-owned businesses, nonprofits, and initiatives to bring equitable outcomes in Black communities in several U.S. cities. Big, big fan of Drew Holiday and his wife. Uh, love what they stand for. I love how he's continued to 
try to impact uh, the community, try to impact people of color, especially blacks who come from places like us, um, where it, it may may not be the greatest situation. You may be a little disadvantaged or underserved, but you still have hope. And now he's creating more opportunities financially uh, to target not only our communities, but our businesses, which is really, really cool. I think it's great when players give back. I think it's super dope, especially, you know, high profile players like Drew, like LeBron, who come from small cities and continue to figure out ways to kind of go back and, and uplift uh, the people. There's so many different things uh, in this world that are impacting our societies and our neighborhoods, uh, obviously financially, but also from an educational standpoint. So it's nice to see um, him continue to target black businesses, nonprofits, and just figuring out ways to to look out for us because there's a lot of unjust things happening on a day-to-day basis um, in a lot of our neighborhoods. Looking at the Mavericks situation, uh, with them being a six seed right now and us competing for seven and six, they go on a 28-0 run versus the Warriors, which is the second longest unanswered run in the last 20 years. The Warriors also have um, lost by 50 or 60 at one point during the season. I think that kind of shows you how emotionally draining this season has been for everyone involved, uh, looking at what the Mavs accomplished. They also blew us out on our home court. So they've shown they can get hot in a hurry. They can make shots. And Luka Doncic is playing MVP level basketball where he's hitting threes, getting to the paint, finishing around the basket. So I'm not surprised at this, but mentally it is frustrating when you're getting blown out, when you're playing as hard as you can, and there's nothing you can kind of do about it to stop the other team. So I could see how it could be frustrating. Steph was seen with a towel over his head, kind of just in disarray and extremely upset. But the best thing about the NBA is that there's always a game the next day and you can kind of move forward, uh, which is nice. But the Mavs took the dub, but the Warriors definitely took it all on that one. As you all know, I'm on the road right now currently. Uh, I've been traveling. We'll continue to travel for the next few days as we wrap up a six-game road trip in about 10 days. And I've been drinking a lot of wine, specifically Pinot Noir. And most recently, I tapped into a wine from the Dundee Hills uh, made by a fellow NBA player, Shannon Fry. It's called The Chosen Family Pinot Noir uh, in partnership with Longolo. Very good wine, uh, reasonable price point, obviously, uh, among the top 47% of wines in the world. Um, light to medium bodied organ Pinot. Um, a lot more finely uh, tuned into California Pinot. Um, displays a wide aromatic range of flavors. Uh, definitely get the strawberry, raspberries, and then floral notes, uh, which is really prevalent um, in the Dundee Hills specifically uh, with Oregon wines. Pairs well with beef, field game, deer, poultry. Um, I think that Shannon is up to something uh, in his partnership with Longolo. I think he's going to be partnering with a, a few other vineyards as well, but they have a very good Chardonnay as well. I, I was a fan of it. It was gifted to me from him, so it's only right that I shout him out. Uh, Shannon, appreciate you uh, looking out for me, allowing me to try your wine. I truly, truly enjoyed it. And as always, um, the Oregon wines are very, very competitive uh, among the best in the world. So I, I highly suggest and highly recommend you tap into the Willamette Valley and also tap into the Dundee Hills, uh, specifically Shannon Fry's wine. Once again, I want to thank everybody for tuning in faithfully to the Pull Up Pod. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. Hit us with a five-star review. Share the show with a friend and tell a friend to tell a friend. And also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pull Up Pod for fresh content all season long. And you can check out the segment I did last week. Once again, the segment I did last week was on the three most underappreciated players in the league exclusively on at Pull Up 
Pod. So once again, thank everybody. Have a blessed one. Everybody stay safe. Go Brownies. And don't forget to pull up.